On today's episode, we speak to Dr. Phil Boucher, pediatrician, podcaster, physician coach, blogger, and physician efficiency expert. We discuss ways to make sure that the private practice physician is maximizing the use of their time. And that doesn't mean no naps. He actually mentioned scheduling nap time into one of his days. The key is to plan as much of your day as possible, schedule in some flex time for unexpected events, and be as proactive as possible about doing your work at times in which you're most efficient. And that's usually when nobody else is around or even awake. So you have to just make it happen. This was a great conversation with someone that many of you already know from his large online footprint. Dr. Phil Boucher is a board-certified pediatrician in Lincoln, Nebraska, and business consultant. He helps private practice owners design a thriving practice and fulfilling life. Phil is an expert on marketing, branding, and organizational systems specifically for physicians. And his passion is helping tired, overworked private practice physicians climb out of the trenches to work less and earn more. He's the host of Private Practice Matters, which can be found at privatepracticematters.com. Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring, a practical guide for practicing physicians. Dr. Bradley Block interviews experts in and out of medicine to find out everything we should have been learning while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. The ideas expressed on this podcast are those of the interviewer and interviewee, and do not represent those of their respective employers. And now, here's Dr. Bradley Block. Dr. Phil Boucher, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I love your podcast. Any physician that has a podcast is extra cool in my book, and you've been at it a while, and I really like what you have to say and the people that you have on your show. Thank you. Well, any physician in the podcast space is competition in my book, so... (laughs) No, just kidding. I love I love your your podcasts now that you've got two. So first, just tell us about your your podcasts and then we'll get into why I'm having you on the show today. Sure. So I've got two podcasts. I have one I have two audiences basically. I have a parents because I am actually a private practice pediatrician and that's my full-time job is taking care of little babies and teenagers and everyone in between. And so I have a podcast called Parenting Matters. That is for parents, and it's all just parenting-related topics, sometimes a little bit pediatric medical, but mostly more about the parenting side of things. And I do that podcast weekly and interview lots of... I try and interview like a lot of parenting authors that I can get to, to come on and talk with me about their beliefs about parenting. And then I have a whole other audience, which is private practice physicians, because I love private practice physicians because they have so much control over their lives, over their destiny compared to the employed physicians. And so I love to talk with private practice physicians about how to optimize everything in their life and in their practice, not just work, not just RVUs, not just the number of patients seen, but optimizing their time and also the time that they have at home with their family and helping them to do only the work that they as a physician can do, because I think that's something that really contributes to burnout is doing a lot of scut work as an attending, as the one that's making all the decisions, but also like waiting on hold to talk to somebody about a prior auth or a physician to physician thing for insurance or filling out FMLA paperwork. So I try and help physicians do what only they can do. And and another thing that contributes to burnout is the loss of autonomy. So the the fact that you're helping the private practice physicians to remain private practice physicians by optimizing their day and optimizing the practices is going to help prevent and minimize burnout. So that's, that's fantastic. I love that. 
Yes, completely. Because you're totally right that autonomy is huge. Not feeling like you have control over what's coming up on your schedule this day, this week, this month, this year contributes to burnout for sure. If you just feel like you are beholden to somebody else that's telling you how to live and practice. And so I do want to help private practice physicians stay in private practice, be successful, enjoy it, and bring other people over to this side of the the medical game. So the reason you're on the show today is actually to talk about that, right? Your reputation within the physician online community is you're that guy who has totally optimized his practice. You have five children, you have (laughs) a booming pediatric practice, and you have you host two podcasts and and you're extremely active on the physician online community. So you've got all these different hats, yet you seem to be just the happiest guy in the world. So typically it's our practices that are the first things that that really get us down, right? That we find frustrating right. and we can take that home with us and, and and it's this looming shadow. And so let's go through your day right from the first moment that you walk through the door of your office to the moment where you leave, how have you optimized your time? So if you want to start with your overarching philosophy or just go through your day, let's just get into the meat of it. Well, I love how you teed that up because I like do a lot of things, but I literally love like every minute of my day at work and at home. And I mean, there's always like the stuff that comes up. Like I, you know, right before we came on, I was admitting a patient to the hospital with bronchiolitis and all the different random things come up. But I do feel like I get to do what only I can do and I get to do it as I want and have a lot of control over that. But but it's taken time to get there. And so when I when I tell other physicians about like how how things work for me and how it's been optimized for me, I realize that everyone's on the journey. And next week something catastrophic could happen that could totally change that for me. But I'm gonna try and help other physicians while I have the time, the energy, the motivation, and the love of my practice and get the most out of it. So I appreciate you setting it up that way. When I think about like my day, so I'm kind of a not, I guess, kind of a more traditional sort of physician in that we admit our own patients to the hospital, we see our own newborns in the hospital, and then we have our time in clinic. And so like a typical day, I will get up with the kid or get up, get the kids off to school. I drop them off usually and then run to the hospital, see my patients and then come to the office and do my, my clinic thing for the day. And then I am able to check out and head home. And the kids wake up at about six 30, but I can tell you that for both me as a parent at home and as a physician, my day starts way before game time. And so I get up much earlier than my kids. I get my exercise in, I do my podcast recording or my social media stuff for the day so that that's already done because I enjoy doing that, but it's hard to find time for it when I'm not just mindlessly scrolling. And then when the kids wake up, I've got like breakfast being made so that they can sit down. We can have breakfast. We have a little family like prayer time in the morning together. And then I get them off to school. And then I go to the hospital, but I don't just walk in the front door of the hospital and then see what's on my plate. When I get up in the morning, I also look and see, okay, these are the newborns that I have in the hospital that I need to round on. Here's what's going on with them. I often will do my notes in advance and either pend them or signed them and then addend them if there's anything off compared to what I was expecting to find. But for the most part, you know, the patients in the hospital, they're all newborns and they, they, they do the same things. And Epic, for everything that's wrong with Epic, it actually does let you like pull in all the relevant data. So I can hit .pbn, which is PB newborn, 
enter, my note's done, ready to sign, and it's got all the important stuff. So I probably am lucky in that I have that at my fingertips while I'm making breakfast so I can record the the notes for the day before I've even set foot in the hospital. And then I can look at them in the elevator on my phone and see when the baby was born, what G's and P's the mom is, anything else going on with the mom, but my notes are already ready for me. And so that is a, that is a big thing that I try and talk to other physicians about is like, you got to be prepared if you want to be successful. And so optimizing your day starts the day before, or at least hours and hours before you actually set foot in clinic. Right. Because if you get to the hospital, you're going to end up chatting with the nursing right. staff, with the other physicians, with the, and then you could end up in this black hole of socialization, which is nice and enjoyable, but then you've got to blow through your notes. So if, if most of that is taken care of in a time when you can focus with no right. distractions... That, right. that's, I feel like that's the optimization right there. It totally is. And then it allows me for that. I can chit chat with the nurses and ask them about their families and talk with the OBs when I run into them in the doctor's lounge or the elevator or the parking garage or whatever. I have that time because I've got margin built in because my notes are already done. And all I'm doing is walking around, listening to the baby's heart, talking to the parents, and then getting on my way to clinic for the day. And those notes, which is like the, the only drag of that whole experience, they're already done before I've even walked in the door. And then I can addend them or change them if I need to. If something's wrong, you know, it's easy enough to go in and, and change them. I think you even get a little time where it doesn't even count as an addendum and it's just editing the note before it's finalized. But that really helps me to be prepared. I also like sometimes we'll have procedures that we do. And so I'll call them and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to be there in five minutes, bring the baby back to the nursery. And so we can get those things done. The, the baby is ready to go. We're not waiting around. It's not showing up and then going and finding the baby and then finding the nurse. I mean, those are all things that the nursing staff, I think, if you talk with them, if you're friendly, if you're able to have those chit chat and find out about their family, they like that and they respond to that by being helpful and making your, your day go smoothly as well. So that, that's the second time you mentioned that. You said, ask them about their family. And, and it reminds yeah. me of this sk recurring skit on Saturday Night Live where they have someone, it's a game show. And the game show is, what's my name? And it's someone who <laughs> you see like your doorman or your friend's fiance, and you've met them a ton of time. And the question on the show is, what's my name? And you have right. to the name. So, so if you are engaging with the nursing staff and not only know their names, but know their significant other and their children and their interests and you, you actively engage them, right? That's a huge right. referral source right then because everyone's going to ask, oh, my friend's a nurse. I'll ask her who the best pediatrician is. I'll ask him who the best pediatrician is because they're going to know. So on top of them oh, totally. being able to help you, that's, that's a huge way to get good referrals. Yes, that is. And it's just like a nice human thing to do too, on top of all of that. As oh, you yeah, said, yeah, it's yeah. Just nice like, human thing. It's all, it's all, business. It's all business. I mean, in addition to all those other things, it is just nice to do that because, it and then it makes your day fun and, and yes. it's nicer to see people and they, they know what's going on with you. I mean, my parenting side of my brand, I do Instagram stuff and people, they will ask me the stuff that they've seen about our kids or I put up a picture of the prime rib that I made for Thanksgiving on Instagram. I can't tell you how many people have asked me, like, how did you prepare your prime rib? And uh, just random stuff like that, that, that oh. adds to that connection and those, those how, moments where you get to spend with them. 
How did you prepare your prime rib? I did a reverse sear. So 200 degrees for like five hours in the oven, took it out, let it rest. And then I blasted it at like 550 for 10 minutes to sear it at the end. And it was perfect. So that's how I did that. People think that you sear it in order to seal in the juices, which is not true. No. Just trying to caramelize the outside to add in a little bit of a different flavor and texture. So So on that same line, before we move on from this digression, I will say that, you know, you you put the roast in the pan and like there's all those drippings and juices that come out. Doing the reverse sear, I could have not even put it in a pan. I could have just set it on the oven. It lost no juice doing it slow like that at 200 degrees for like four hours. The pan was completely dry. All of the, oh. all of the juices remained within. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, That's okay. You're inspiring me. Okay. So now you've, you've written your notes on your newborns. Right. I'm assuming now you're done with your hospital responsibilities. I'm done with my hospital responsibilities. I'm on to clinic. I use, like I could call my nurse and find out what's going on with my patients, what's coming in the door, what's already waiting for me in the exam rooms. But I usually just like listen to some music or have a little mental time in my drive from the hospital to the office. And I get into the office and I already know, you know, I walk in the back door and I can see which rooms of mine, my rooms are right by the back door. And so I can see, okay, I've got one room, two rooms, three rooms, how many doors are shut? How many patients do I have? But the good thing is I already looked at my schedule last night. And so I already have an idea of who's coming in, what they're coming in for. And then I can go through my day much more easily knowing what's coming. And just like preparing in advance for the hospital, preparing in advance for breakfast with the kids. If you take a little time to prepare in advance and know what's coming in in your day, then it's so much easier to be successful. You're, you're running through your day rather than what's on my schedule next. What did I just walk into? Why didn't I read up on what this patient, this, their specialist said, or, you know, just being blindsided by those things and playing catch up all day. And so I don't spend much time doing that, but in advance, because I know my patients well, but I at least look and see, okay, this person is coming in. They usually run late. This person usually has extra questions. Maybe I'll block an extra spot for them if I have time, or I'll try and kind of preempt the visit a little bit. So I know all the different things that are on their minds in advance so that I can talk it through with them. Just taking that few minutes to, to glance at your schedule for the next day and know what's coming in. It also helps, you know, when you're talking about the business of medicine, getting people in, patients in, in an orderly fashion and also being accommodating of mom calls in and her child needs stitches or a dad calls in, I think my son broke his arm, something like that comes up. Then I can say without having to look too deeply at my schedule, well, I think I'll have time at 1030 because those parents are always super quick. They just want the vaccines and the weights and then they're out. So I can say, yeah, have them come in at 1030. We'll take care of their laceration. We'll get them taken care of. It'll make the patient experience a million times better. I enjoy that stuff and everybody wins and it doesn't interfere dramatically with my day or my ability to to continue on with my day. It's not like one thing is going to railroad the entire day and throw it off track because I, I try and think about margin. Do I have margin to to add somebody on? Do I need to ask somebody else to do it or say no because I don't have margin? Or do I have time because I've got margin built into my day and into my life that I can take on these extra things and I can record this podcast episode with you because I already saw my patients today and and I blocked my schedule out appropriately in advance because I knew what was coming up. If you plan in advance, it's so much easier to have that margin that allows you to have control over your life, regardless of if you're an employed or you're a private practice physician. 
So you have that flexibility built into your schedule, right? You 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 don't book your schedule such that you're filled up to the gills. Exactly. And if I look like I, I just clicked over to my schedule for tomorrow, I always keep same day six spots open so that if I'm at if some if I'm at a soccer game tonight or you know, somebody calls me this evening when I'm on call and says I need to get in tomorrow, I don't even have to look at my schedule because there's an eleven o'clock appointment spot time that nobody on my none of my schedulers can book until the same day. So it's always available. So if somebody called me today and needed to do again, and I say, just come in at 11, we'll get you taken care of, and then have the, the staff put that on in the morning so I don't forget about it. But having those little built-in moments of margin, I know 11 o'clock every day, I've got a same-day sick appointment that is free. If I'm at the hospital early and I need to have a baby come in the next day, 11 o'clock, I've already got a same-day sick spot at that time. I know it's going to be open. I know it's going to be fine for that patient to come in then, and I can use that or my patients can use that and they'll feel like they were able to get in quickly with their own doctor, which is a huge patient experience booster. I actually do the same thing. So I'm in, I, I don't really talk much about my practice on the right. show because I'm, I'm not really supposed to. I'm, right. I, didn't, I didn't build my practice. I'm a partner in it, but I'm part of ENT Analogy Associates, which is one of the, which is the biggest ENT practice right, right, in right. the country. And, and I'm one of the partners. So we, we can control our own schedules completely. And so I have same day spots just as you do for yeah. one reason is if they don't get filled, it prevents me from falling behind. Right. And the second is, yeah, it gives the patients that one, I can tell them, listen, I need to see you when you're really like, like they come in for sinus infections. I'm not sure if they're sinus infections. They might be migraines. They might be colds. Come right. to see me when you're like full blown. Well, how am I going right. to get in? Well, you can get in because if you call that morning, there are spots. There are inevitably spots we'll be able to get you in. And they love that. And I love it because then I don't have to have to kill myself every single day because those right. spots aren't always filled. And when they right. are, it's just a great it's great for their for their access, which helps me build my reputation with the surrounding referring physicians and with the individual patients. So yeah, I think building that flexibility into your schedule helps you to minimize your stress and also helps you to build your your brand and reputation. Totally. I agree completely. And those are things too, like you said, like if they don't fill, then I just can catch up a little bit. And if I'm feeling a little like overwhelmed or over busy, then I'll just block it and then have that time to catch up and look forward to that time to kind of have a, a little mental break and catch up and have coffee or catch up on my notes or whatever's going on. So that's kind of how my day operates is I know what's coming on in advance. I really focus in on making sure that the day is going to go smoothly and having margin built in so that when the inevitable weird stuff comes up or the emergency thing comes in, that I'm able to respond to that, take good care of patients, provide good patient experience, and not put myself in the position to be totally overrun, totally run down by the end of the day. And and it takes practice and it takes intention. And some days I'm like, oh, that was crazy. We did way too much. Or I think we could go a little bit faster. I try and be careful about like adding a lot of new patient spots because sometimes if it's a slow day, I'm like, well, I just, I just need to see more patients. But, but I realize that in the grand scheme of things, I am quite busy in my practice, even when I have open spots tomorrow, that that in the grand scheme of things, things are going well, and my practice is running smoothly, my patients are getting seen, all of those good things are happening. Yeah, anytime, anytime my office hours are slow, I'm like, oh man, my, my practice is going in the toilet, what's going on? And then right. I'm super busy, I'm like, oh man, I can't wait for one of those slow days to happen. So exactly. Grass, grass, yes. grass is always greener. 
And I make Thursdays, today's Thursday that we're recording this. Thursdays is my like catch up day. My nurse and I look forward to Thursdays because Tuesday is a late afternoon and evening clinic. And then Wednesday's a full busy day. And then Thursday, I have like two hours. I batch all the patients that are quick, easy, need their shots, need their weights, and then they're good to go so that Thursday, I can have a super quick day and then record podcast episodes, take a nap with my kids that are home in the afternoon. I'll do all those other things to catch up. That sounds that sounds fantastic. I could I could use a nap with my kids right now. Yeah, totally. I'm looking forward to it. The, then the other thing that I was going to say too is in the exam room, I try and, and optimize my time in the exam room with each individual patient too. I have never had a patient and I, I ask frequently and we ask a lot on text messaging surveys and everything like that say, he's too quick. He doesn't spend enough time with me. Even though I'm busy and I move quickly from room to room, I really try and, and prioritize making sure that patients feel like I had all of the time they needed, not just enough time for them, but all the time they needed. And so the way that I do that, one, I have a scribe. So he makes my life infinitely easier because I'm able to sit and look at the patient, interact with them, talk with them. I'm not saying, wait, what did you say? As I'm trying to type and multitask and multi-brain to get the things down in the note that I need to, um, to respond to messages and all those sorts of things to a patient and interact with them. I'm able to just hone in specifically, completely on the patient, what they're telling me, what they need, answer the questions, do the back and forth the way that you were taught in medical school of answering, asking opening-ended questions, the onset, location, duration, all those things I can just think through as I'm talking rather than feeling like I have to, when did it start? Type, type, type. Where does it hurt? Type, type, type. You know, doing all that splitting up, I'm able to just completely focus in on what is most important, which is getting this history, doing the physical exam, making the plan, making the management, and and my scribe takes care of everything other than me thinking and me talking to the patient and examining them. So I've spoken to other physicians who've used used scribes, and and we both know that your scribe is is listening right now. So we have to be <laughs> yeah, he, what we say. I I told him I told Brad before we started that he is my editor of my podcast as well. So I've heard frustration with the the fact that you train them, and like yours, they leave and go to med school, and then right. you've got to start all over again and train another. And so they right. throw up their hands and say, "I'm not doing that again. I'll just write the notes myself." What would you say to that person? I think that one, scribes are so easy to train because they are, they're young, they're, you know, in their 20s, they're getting ready to go to professional school or whatever they're going to do. They are computer natives and we didn't grow up on computers the way that they did. And so when I have my scribe help train another scribe in the office, it takes like, like seven or eight clinical visits, not days, not weeks, visits for them to understand how the system works and all of the different things that go into creating the note. Like they just know how computers work so much better. And then before they leave, I have them record all of the different screen. They do a screen grab of all the different stuff that they do on a regular basis so that when they move on, the person that they train and replace can refer back to those things and say, okay, how did Boucher always do those quick visits? Or how did he put in the ear infection and the ICD coding and the CPT coding and all those things? How did that come in? Oh yeah, I'll just watch this video and redo that. Scribes are great they want to learn. They want to be helpful. It is not difficult to train a scribe. It takes very, very little time. Now, it does take time for them to become pros, but the way that I try and, and 
give myself enough time to really create a proscribe is if they're the, the ideal person is in that gap year. They're between undergraduate, they're graduating from medical school or graduating from undergrad. They have a year before they start PA school or med school because they decided to take a year off or they're trying to beef up their resume or their MCAT or whatever. Those are the ideal people to get first scribe because they can, they're usually the right age that they have their parents' insurance or they have some insurance so they're not expensive to employ and their schedules are wide open so they can do the different clinic hours that you have and they're super eager to learn and it's just a great teaching experience even though Grant's been with me for two years now we I still you know he asks great questions and I teach him back and forth and it's really valuable not just for me from a it makes my day easier and he does my notes for me sort of place but also for me as a teaching place and continuing to learn and it's just such an awesome experience that I highly, 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 rec- highly recommend it for anybody that's having trouble keeping up with their notes, which is every single physician that I have ever talked to. What about the physicians that talk about the loss of control? And I'm actually, you, you've had a couple yeah. of episodes on, on your podcast about right. this specific issue, right? There's, uh, right. I forgot, uh, Dr. Angevin, I, th- I think referred to the B minus yep. note, right? Totally. Yeah, oh, yeah, you've been listening. Yeah. yeah, not not all your notes need to be A plus notes. They right. can be B minus notes, and that's just fine. So uh, yeah, fine. I'm 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 okay with that. And grammar and and punctuation, fine. Don't don't go back and and spell check. But yes, what about the legal liability? The legal liability that you don't know what they wrote. You think you know what they wrote, but for you to go back and check all of your notes is extremely time consuming. And then right. you just obviated the fact that you have a a scribe to begin with. So, so how right. do you how do you justify that increased liability? Right. So you're you're completely right that at the end of the day, the note falls on you, the liability falls on you. But I think that as you train them and feel more comfortable with the different things that are coming in, you'll have a different degree of scrutiny depending on the visit. And yes, my well checks, I flip through the plan and and it takes about 10 seconds for me to read through what he says on a note and make sure that everything looks good before I hit sign off, which saves me a lot of time just typing in the sort of mindless stuff that, that you might otherwise, that on a note where it's more serious condition, there's medical legal stuff going on, or there's mood stuff that I want to make sure and capture. I read those a little bit, little bit more carefully, and it does take a little bit more time at the start, just like when you were learning to type and you did the peck, you know, the find and peck or whatever it is. Yeah. Thank you, Hunt and Peck. That, that took longer. But then when you got comfortable with Home Row and all those things, it did speed up over time. Once you used Home Row and got over the initial awkwardness of Home Row, like it's much faster in the end to do it that way. So there is a little trade-off, but, but in, in terms of time, the time is so much faster to having a scribe, even checking their notes to make sure that you, that you captured everything that was important. And you develop that trust over time with your scribe that, that you feel comfortable with that too. And at the end of the day, realizing that, yes, there are legal issues and liability issues. The vast majority of notes that you're going to sign off of in your long, illustrious career as a physician will go into the black hole of the online cloud or your server. And one or more likely zero people will ever read that note again. Maybe when you see them back, you'll refer back to it. And then it will be filed away 
forever with no one ever reading it. So I do try and do B minus work on my notes myself in that I don't spend so much time on every little point because the likelihood of somebody actually reading that or reading that and then making a critical decision or a change in plan because of that is exceedingly low. Sold. I'm sold. I'm sold. <laughs> I, need, I definitely need a scribe. So where oh my gosh, I, you do. Where do I find one? So, so the way that, right, the way that I, yeah, they're right, yeah. right, right after undergrad, right before professional school. Where are they? Like, do you, I, what I do is we have a, we have a local <laughs> supermarket. Down. You look young. What, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> um, creepy. No, what, what I do is I have a contact at our local university pre-health committee people. Like there's people at the university, I mean, at every university that help pre-health students to get into their med school, PA school, dental school, whatever they're trying to get into. And those people know all the students and they know who's doing well and is going to go straight from undergrad into medical school. No chance to be a scribe versus those that want to take some time off or need to beef up their resume or something like that. And then you just make yourself available to them and say, Hey, if you ever have somebody that needs a good clinical experience or is doing a gap year, please let me know. And they could be my scribe. And I actually have a queue of scribes right now that I literally cannot find someone to take any physicians in my group or any of the other physician groups around town. Like there are, there are scribes that are waiting. So if anyone from Nebraska is listening to this and wants to scribe, contact me because I have like four people in my email box right now that are saying, I would love to be a scribe. I'm doing a gap year. Can you, can I please be a scribe? And I'm like, I wish I had somebody. I, I don't have somebody for you, a doctor to pair you up with right now. So that's now going to be your new hat, father, pediatrician, podcaster, and scribe headhunter. Right, exactly. I could take on that role too. That that could be a new side gig for 2020. I've decided on that, but I will continue to to see if I can and make that into more of a, a side gig, I guess. But the, but they do turn over, so you do have to kind of just be cognizant of that as you go through and make sure that you are picking people that will likely stay for at least a half year, a year, 18 months. Gosh, anyone that can stay for a year is made in the shade. Make them an awesome super scribe and then have them help train the next one. Okay. So what we've gone through so far is at the beginning of your day, you do as much as you can so that you can do it while you're focused and really in your Correct. best mind for the rest right. of the day. This includes patient care and other ancillary responsibilities. That way, right. when you get to the hospital round, your time there is optimized. When you get to the office, you work in, you, you create your schedule with some flexible time so that if un, unexpected things happen, you're able to work them in without, with minimal stress, which helps both you, your staff, and your patients, and then you're a huge proponent of, of the scribe to help you totally. move visits quickly. Is there anything else that you recommend to the listeners or that you've recommended? Because I know you're also a physician coach, right? Right. So sometimes I do help other physicians that are trying to like get a better time management system in place for themselves or need to work on their social media marketing or something like that. Like I love all that that side of medicine that that really nobody ever taught us in medical school, like personal development, how to market ourselves, how to be business savvy, anything along those lines. The other thing that came to mind when we're talking about optimizing our day as a physician is when you're in that exam room and you're talking with the patient, having a good way to move the conversation along. And those are things that you kind of have to practice on an individual person basis. And I've, I've talked in, in like 
I guess I don't know what I would call it, watch some other physicians, interact with patients, and you kind of can figure out a good way to move the conversation along. If one thing that I find that a lot of physicians struggle with is tying up a conversation if the patient has a lot of concerns or a lot of concerns that we're not able to actually like address and fix is how to move those things along and tie everything together so it doesn't feel like, well, the doctor just walked out when when I was still in the middle of the conversation or still explaining myself. I think that's something that that really takes some practice. The, the best things that I've found... Yeah, that's not an effective way to, to pivot. Right, right, exactly. Okay, just bye. get up and leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's what I mean, and and who would do that? But that's what people write online is like the doctor just walked out when I was still talking with them. Like that's not what actually happens, but that's how patients perceive it. That's their perception. And, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, two really simple things that I've found is if you pair it back with what the patient says. So it sounds like what you're telling me is that your knee has been hurting for the past six weeks, and it all started after a game of soccer where you fell and blah, 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 blah. If you pair it back, it makes people feel understood. And so then they feel like, wow, this doctor listens to me. And that only took you know 20 seconds for me to parrot it back. But now we're able to move on to the next part of the conversation and then move from there. Rather than letting them spiel and go on forever and ever, sometimes you do have to like rein in the conversation. And the easiest way to do that is to kind of summarize as you Brad just did on this episode where you said, so it sounds like what we've talked about so far is these, these, and these. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? You did that exact same thing. And that's what, if you can do that as a physician, it can help to round off the conversation. And the other thing is using follow-up. Follow-up is always your friend. And so if, if it seems like, well, I don't really think that we have the time to get into that specific issue to the degree that I would like to today. And so what I would like you to do is keep a log of when those symptoms occur. And then I'm going to have you schedule an appointment in a week from now so that we can look at that log and see if we can figure out what's going on. If you can do that, that's a great way to end the conversation so that you can move on to the next patient without saying, I don't have time for that problem. Come back and pay me another copay. And then we will will go through it at that time. If you can do that and have follow-up be your friend, then that allows for the patient to feel some empowerment. Okay, this doctor cares about my headaches. I need to get more data and more information. So I'm going to keep a log and then I'm going to follow up and then we're going to talk through those headaches. Well, that just took your visit that was way over time that you had not allotted enough time for, that was giving you stress, that was making your other patients wait. It made it into something where the patient is empowered and then we're able to have another visit where we talk through those things. I find serving coffee to be an effective way of letting people know that it's almost time to go. <laughs> so if you can have a coffee machine in your office and just like serve them a cup of coffee, like they know, right. okay, that's, this is the end of the meal. It's time. To <laughs> Would you like to see the dessert menu? Yeah. We're done here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so I use dragon. I, right. Cause I don't have a scribe. I use dragon. And so when someone gives me their history, what I'll do is I'll, I'll parrot it back into dragon and then it right. takes the note. So that really makes the visit move faster, but at the same time, yeah. still not nearly as fast as a scribe. So totally not. No, yeah, still, I'm still sold on that. Great. Well, this this has been a really great conversation, and I think will be very helpful to a lot of people to help them. You know, little tidbits that that apply to each person, and I'm sure there's a ton there for 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 people. Anything else that you want to mention before we wrap things up? 
I think just the biggest thing is if you can be intentional about it, if you can prepare in advance, and if you can say, even if you're an employed physician, if you can say, okay, I'm not happy with the way things are going, how can I change those things? And then talk with people that can help you. It can be a coach. It can be another physician that's in the trenches with you, something like that, and figure out how other people are making it work. Because there's a lot of innovation that we can have as physicians, but the biggest thing that stands in the way for every physician that I've ever talked with or worked with is the way it's always been done. And we don't do that because that's the way it's always been done. Just gets in the way of so much innovation. And it's not just like doing new cool procedures or new techniques or something like that. It's literally being able to stay in practice without burning out. And so just because in the past they did it this way and they worked this many hours and we didn't have all these luxuries that you young, young in physicians have, and you should be more grateful. That does not mean that that's how things have to continue. So that's my little rant or spiel of the way it's always been done is hardly working for anyone right now. And it's definitely not going to work as medicine continues to change. So don't accept that the way it's always been done is the way it has to continue now or going into next year or the years to come. My wife and I say that to each other all the time. This is the way it's always been done is the worst reason to do anything. So Amen. You always find always find find your reason. So where can people find you online? So I have a Facebook group for private practice physicians. It's called the Private Practice Accelerator. You can go to privatepractice.show slash join to join that. And I have a podcast called Private Practice Matters. And so that's where I talk with other experts like yourself, like other physicians or other leaders in business and in industry to learn how to improve practice, improve the lives of fellow physicians. And those are the two biggest places to find me online. Fantastic. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. Thanks a lot, Brad. That was Dr. Bradley Block at the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. He can be found at physiciansguidetodoctoring.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for a previous guest or have an idea for a future episode, send a comment on the webpage. Also, please be sure to leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform. We'll see you next time on the Physician's Guide to Doctoring.